It's not much of a secret that I have a home field apparel problem. Even before we started this show, I couldn't even step foot on a new college campus without making sure there was something from that school's home field collection waiting on my porch when I got home. So we are, understandably, over the moon to partner with home field this season to keep Pitt fans comfy, cozy, and stylish at a fraction of the price by using promo code LOYALSUNS for 15% off your next order. This discount applies site-wide, and with unique vintage collections for every school from Pitt to Bama, Jackson State to Colgate, Michigan, Marshall, Marquette, and both Miamis, there's something for every fan. So whether you're buying for a Pitt fan or for a loser freak, use promo code LOYALSUNS at homefieldapparel.com to save big on your next order. Each code applies once per email address, so get those work emails and burners ready. That's homefieldapparel.com. Hello and welcome back to the Loyal Suns show. That's at the Loyal Suns on all the social medias. Follow us there and follow us here for pit sports content you won't want to miss. If you love the fact that it's basketball season and hate ACC officiating, this is the place for you. The Loyal Sun Show, safe, sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix, brought to you by Section 5. We're about a day removed, less than a day removed, from the Pitt-Florida State game. A 24-7 loss to the Florida State Seminoles. In a game that Pitt looked very competitive in, from a good portion of the game. Uh, went into the half, down three. Story of the game was... Well, there were a couple headlines, uh, one of those being officiating. I promise we won't. This isn't a podcast meant to just bitch about officials the whole time, but going to be honest, you're going to have to strap in. We're going to bitch about the officials for most of the time. Um, and then, you know, missed opportunities for Pitt. Small mistakes, kind of been a theme this season. That And big mistakes. And big mistakes. big mistakes. Yeah, I don't know why chalk those up to small big mistakes um, in critical times that basically shot down any chances you had of beating the number four ranked team in the country. So where do we want to start? There's there's so many places to start here. Uh, let, let's start on the happy side. Of the, yesterday was maybe the best weather we've had for a pick game ever. It was beautiful. It was so perfect and it was November too. Uh, we needed that extra jolt two win team playing the number four team uh, for tailgate and fan morale. We needed a beautiful day. Maybe it was 32 degrees. Florida said Seminoles wouldn't have played as well. Pittsburgh weather might've got to them, but I was very pleased to not be wearing layers and shivering or needing a poncho. Like it seems like every game this year we needed. Yeah, there was a good showing. Uh, I, I thought the tailgate lots were pretty packed. Stadium was pretty packed. Not going to lie. There were a lot of Florida State fans in that lower bowl. But, I mean, it, it's not a far drive from Monroeville or Robinson. Come down, support your, your lifelong team. So, uh, mm-hmm. we kind of expected that. But, okay, that's about all all the good we can really talk about right now. Other than pick, keeping the game close. But The defense started off very good. Well, bad, then good, then good for a while, and then kind of dropped off. 
a lot of bend but don't break early. Yeah, on. it was weird how everyone's sentiment at halftime was like, wow, the defense is keeping us in this. And you look up the scoreboard and it was like, yeah, they have 300 yards. Yeah. So I don't know how that math worked out. I guess, like yeah. I said, they made some mistakes too. They were not very clutch. And our defense is making just enough plays to keep us within striking distance. Problem was, never struck. Yeah. you Like Donovan Millen, he's a good example of like the entire team. Like I think he was a microcosm of the entire team. He missed that tackle on the running back uh, in the first quarter. I think it was Florida State's first drive. And it's like, dude, you got run over, goes down, puts them basically in field goal position. They don't end up scoring there. And someone made a comment around us like, dude, McMillan, like he's said something about like he stinks. And I was like, I don't know. Because he makes a ton of tackles, and he actually, unlike some of our other de- defensive players, he brings the wood. But like then he has plays like that where you're like, dude, how did that happen? And then by the end of the first half, the person who said he stinks was like, yeah, actually, I think he's the only one who's made a tackle for us this half. He's playing great. And then near the end of the first half, he misses another tackle on a tight end. It's like, but it was just like, like they were playing great in for so much of the game, and it was just stupid mistakes. Stupid things happen. Um, and I think that can kind of lead us into probably the biggest talking point of the game or one of the two or three big talk, talking points of the game. Uh, zero, zero, first half, second quarter. Uh, Christian Veyer, play action pass, hits Kanate Mumpfield. Maybe the best, I mean, not circumstantially, but maybe the best throw I've seen Veyer make. Um, it was an absolute dime on the play action. A great route by Mumpfield. I thought it was going to be overthrown and hits him directly in stride. And he catches it. I'm like, oh my gosh, he could score here. And then when he got to about the 20-yard line, uh, I'm like, yeah, he's probably going to get caught. And then, not in my wildest dreams could I have imagined what the result of that play would be. The bar for this game was so low, I was expecting nothing. So I saw... Mountfield breaking free wide open and I'm trying to track the ball. I'm like, is this going to be underthrown or overthrown? How's this going to not work out? Cause this is one of those games where Pitt will get their chances and nothing will go their way. But this is one of the, the few chances we had. I'm like, Oh my God, it was perfect. And I'm just thinking like, we're going to take the lead. Might not score this play, but we'll at least get in the end zone. And then we're like, Oh, I think he was down. I think he was down before he fumbled. First glance at the replay, everyone on the team, you could see guys on the offense like throwing their hands in their head, like, what just happened? Everyone in the stadium was like, what, how? That's so pit. Right. The ball pops out, and you see Florida State recover in the end zone. And instantly, all pit fans, and when I say all pit fans, I'm speaking for myself, thinking I speak for all pit fans. The first thought is, okay, he had to have been down or something. There had to be something here that this isn't the nightmare that I think it is unfolding. And then we were just making up rules. We're like, well, uh, his foot was out of bounds, and then he came back in. Is that a rule? They're like, no, I don't think that's how it works. They're like, well, what about that? No, still a touchback, Florida State's ball. So no matter how we tried to 
slice and dice it. It was still coming out to Florida State's ball 25. Well, yeah, let's walk through it. So the play comes up on the Jumbotron, and you're watching it, and you're like, okay, ball is absolutely 100% out. He fumbled. Um, and then it was like, wait a second, that's a face mask. That was a blatant face mask. Actually, a two-handed face mask, something I don't think I've ever seen. Uh, basically doing a chin-up on Mumpfield's face mask, Florida State DB was doing. And then, but we all know you can't review that. That's not a reviewable play, which, side note here, why, how, how is it determined what you can and can't review in football? I think just eventually they add more and more. So come like 2035, we'll be able to review everything, but they're like, ah, no, that's too much work, too much judgment. We can't make that. And then there's like a blatant missed call on that in the super high stakes moment, like the college football playoff for the Super Bowl. And then they're like, okay, yeah, we can review that now. And the next year, there's another controversial play that the refs mess up. And it's like, okay, we can review that now. So year by year, I think we'll be able to review more and more just because they'll want to cover their asses. And I think that's the wrong direction to go. I, I'm i all about getting the call right. But when they so obviously can't get every call right, even when they review it, and it's like that one where everyone who watches the replay can say, yeah, it was it was a face mask. There's no doubt about it. But we can't reverse it. But it's not like you can't reverse any penalty because previously in the game, I don't know if you remember the little uh, flat throw from Jordan Travis. They initially called it uh, a legal forward pass. They go back and review it. They say he's not past the line. So no, it's not an illegal forward pass. Oh, so yeah. we, we can reverse so we can reverse a penalty, a call on the field. Like we've got to be all or nothing. But that's enough bitching about reviewing. Um so back to this review. And then we like you said, we start making up this rule in our heads that that guy can't be the first one to touch it. Um the rule actually states, and so I think they actually did get it right. We were bitching in the stadium saying that he shouldn't have been able to recover. I don't think he technically did recover the ball, but once you touch the ball while you're out of bounds, the ball was then considered out of bounds. Therefore, it would be as if the ball rolled out of the end zone, out of bounds, which is a touchback, which was the result. So basically, the biggest moment of the game uh, was just a bunch of bullshit, and that's very pit. And I think at that moment, we thought we missed our chance. But we held on for a little bit longer. And what do you know? Pitt took the lead despite all of that nonsense. Yeah, before we move on to that part, I do want to shout out one of our newest sponsors, Momento. Um, And this is going to be our Momento moment of the game. And unfortunately, our Momento moment of the game, the first one we're bringing onto the show, isn't a positive one. But if you're watching on on YouTube right now, you can see our background. Uh, it's not very clear, but I think you can piece together. This is the Kanate Mumpfield fumble. That's what we've got our, as our background today. And that's the moment of the game for us. Uh, most most influential moment. But basically, uh, what Momento is, it's an app for sports fans who love going to games. It allows college football fans to track the games they've been to, to see their sets, upload photos, game ratings, and tag friends they went with. On top of college football, Momento also supports college hoops, NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, and global soccer. Um, Personally, what I've really liked about this app is you can actually create digital tickets, basically, from the game as a memento. You know, you used to save sporting 
event tickets from when you were younger. Uh, everything's digital now. So you don't have that scrapbook. Memento can serve as that. Uh, and you can use whatever picture you want to put on that ticket to make that digital digital memory. So um, I've been going back and going to some of our past pit trips and taking some of the funniest moments or my favorite pictures we took as a group together, throwing those on the tickets. Uh, my girlfriends really liked it. Pictures we've taken together at sporting events. Uh, I think I threw the touchdown G- Jesus picture we took together uh, on the Notre Dame ticket. It's kind of hilarious. A wholesome couple photo on the ticket that just says 58 to 7 Notre Dame. Uh, but it's cool. It's cool because you don't have those physical tickets anymore as memories. Yeah, I like how you can track how many times you've seen different teams, all the different venues. Had a couple of Bank of America stadium trips. Uh, been to the Greensboro Coliseum, Waldo Stadium, Kalamazoo, so you can see how you stack up with uh, your buddies who has the most games attended. Uh, and then always those memories. I think some of the bad memories are my favorite. We just have like all these fun road trips with all of our friends, great pictures out and about of the game, and then, like you said, the bottom corner has a loss. So for this one, it, it's got to be that fumble what I'm putting on there because it's – going to be the first thing you think of and 20 years from now if you're like oh that game what happened that game that's the play yeah so it's a lot of fun i've enjoyed uh updating updating my fandom and kind of comparing myself to you guys see who's who's the biggest pit fan but uh the app's available on ios and android it's available to download uh on the app store so just search memento um we also have some links in our socials uh, add us as well. Become friends with the Loyal Sons. My ads, D Mitchell 2311. Squid, your uh, Cotton 2123. Correct. Get, add us on there. See who's the biggest Pit fan. And uh, Memento. Great way to display your fandom and, and track some of these events you've been to. All right. So now that we're past that beautiful portion of the game. Pitt did take the lead, like you said. Yeah, Bub means on the back shoulder fade. I don't know how we put together a good drive. My new observation is Signetti is good for one really impressive looking drive a game. And after that, you think you have some momentum. The offense is figuring things out, but they just go back to being pretty much incompetent and shooting themselves in the foot. So we got that. Uh, back shoulder fade to Bub, and he, yeah, that was it. <laughs> yeah, not many signs of life from the offense after that. But that was the part of the game. Obviously, if you go up 7 nothing, you say to yourself, oh yeah, we're, this is, we have a chance to win. But I think when that happened, I started to feel that Pitt was feeling a rhythm, that Bayer was getting into a rhythm. I was like, shoot, we should be up 14 nothing at this point if they would have called a face mask on, on the Mumpfield touchdown or should have been touchdown. So at that point in the game, I was feeling good. And after that, there really wasn't much good to be had. Um, no, the next drive, Florida State marched on us. They picked up a big third down. They went for 37. And then this was the drive where they had third and goal from the one. Pitt burns a timeout to get the right personnel out there. Or maybe they saw something. 
come back from the timeout break and we need to sub on two new D tackles and they don't even get out there in the set in time and they punch it into Jordan Travis QB sneak. So that was extremely frustrating. I think I think that play to me is one of those plays like everyone always wants to say, Oh, it's coaching. Oh, these coaches don't know what they're doing. And I'm like, I think Narduzzi kind of has a good handle on how to coach defense. And but that is a play where I look at and I'm like, that's coaching, right? The what possibly could have happened to where you burn a timeout, you make an adjustment, and then you have to scramble to get two new guys on the field and get a guy off the field. Literally like a second. I don't even know if those guys got in their stance before the sneak happened. No, they got blown off the ball. Yeah. So how does that happen other than someone didn't do their job? Mm-hmm. And the next drive was even more frustrating because uh, we pick up a first down and then we get another first down via roughing the passer. 15 free yards. Stupid play by Florida State. You know the next two plays? Holding and false start on pit. So we give it right back. First and 20. We do nothing and, and punt. So this game was a big shoot yourself in the foot game. Anytime we thought we had a chance after that one touchdown drive. And before that, Pitt was doing something to hurt themselves. It wasn't Florida State making huge plays. There weren't a whole lot of those in the first half. It was just Pitt can't get out of their own way. And there's another big instance coming up soon that I think we're going to spend some time on. Yeah, that we will. Uh, A continued theme I've seen, and I do think this is something that should get cleaned up with more game reps with this young offensive line, but O-line has really been killing us with penalties, whether it's a holding call, a pre-snap penalty. Um, it's It's been pretty consistent the last few weeks, and I, I know that's a group with a lot of guys who haven't played a ton of snaps in college, um, but at some point that has to get cleaned up. So, Well, that was the one where it was SIBO that false started. Twice. In the backfield, yeah. Twice. So, yeah, I don't know. You can say we have a new quarterback at a new O line, and they're working on some things, but it's unacceptable at any point. You just they're drive. It's a false start. Yeah, yeah. This if you want to pee wee football, the formula for upsetting a number four team is like take care of the ball, take take advantage of the opportunities where you have a chance to make a big play and don't have penalties. So they, they checked about all those boxes in not being able to do that. Um, but yeah, maybe one of the biggest can't get out of their own way situations of the game late in the first half. Pitt does a phenomenal job. I should, I would say Vayer did a really good job of moving the sticks, getting a couple first downs and putting Pitt in a position to kick a long field goal. And this would have tied the game up and the game would have been 10-10 going into half. Uh, I believe it was a third down play. Bart catches the ball on the sideline. Clock stops. There's an injured Florida State player laying there on the sideline. About a minute, maybe 90 seconds goes by. This is the third quarter, but yes, still would have tied the game. Okay. I've got my math very wrong. Uh, all right, I'm not remembering the game completely correctly, 
Thank you for correcting me. Uh, but yes, you're right. So third quarter, and we should have been able to kick a field goal here. Tie it up. And about a minute after the play, 90 seconds, the flag goes about 100 feet in the air. And we're all, we all look at each other like, what the hell could have possibly just happened? I was looking to people to my left and right and was like, was that the referee that threw that? Or was that coming from the stands? Because it was abnormally high. Yeah. And it was on the sideline. So mm-hmm. what transpired, I think, is we're still trying to get an answer on. Was this you or David that did the investigative work? I did. I did. Because okay. uh, my I gears it. my gears were turning, and I really just... I want to. I want to know the answer. I don't care if one of if Bart was in the wrong. I don't care if the ref was in the wrong. I just really want an answer because it's one of the oddest things I've seen in a football game. Um, but for those of you who didn't watch the game, I'd imagine you don't really listen to this if you haven't watched the game. But Gavin Bartholomew gets an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on the sideline. For apparently, it, it appeared something he would have said to the ref. So in the stadium, it was a good minute after the play ended. There was an injured Florida State player down on the pit sideline, and correct. the game had been stopped for about a minute. Like Ben Sauls and the field goal unit had been out in the field, like getting, getting their steps down and getting ready to kick it once they come back. Yeah, this was not a like couple seconds after the play, someone throws a late like up. A shot to the face mask or you know hit someone a little too late uh this was very much like during a dead period um so narduzzi was asked about it in the press conference after the game uh here's his quote quote gavin didn't say anything to the officials so they were talking about happy birthday or something i don't know what but it wasn't one person it wasn't gavin i think that's maybe who they called it on but you know they are chippy, just like on any sideline. I don't get it. I've never seen a call before. I've seen a lot of things. So the quote that stood out to me in that was the happy birthday thing from Narduzzi. And I'm like, what What does that even mean? That was like, are they singing happy birthday? Like, that doesn't make any sense. So I did look up. I cannot confirm 100%, but... Based on the context clues, I think it was Jared Verse, the defensive end for Florida State, who was down, hurt. I remember seeing him run off the sideline shortly thereafter. So I think it was him. Um, And his birthday was November 4th, yesterday. So I don't know if the pit players knew that and were like chirping him while he was injured. Just be like, hey, happy birthday, buddy, which would be a hilarious taunt, by the way. I'm just Um, impressed they knew that. Yeah, that's a very impressive, like, maybe they're not reading the scouting report, but they're reading the opposing team's Wikipedia page. Yeah, how can we talk shit while we lose to this team? Yeah, yeah, seriously. Uh, Or I don't know if it was, you know, these guys all follow each other on social media. Maybe they saw Florida State posting something about it being versus birthday. He's going to have a big birthday game. I did see someone say, like, how would they know it's his birthday? Like, social media, I'm sure these guys could have seen that at one point or another. Um, what's ruin this guy's birthday, you know, that type of thing. So I don't know if that could be what happened. I mean, when we were in the stadium, we were saying they called it on Bart and it, they call a replay in the stadium 
And also, they should have done it during the TV timeout that was like five minutes long. But they come back to play and further previous plays under further review. And they show it on the Jumbotron and they just circle Bart like in the yellow Telestrator line. And they say, like, that's what they show on the Jumbotron. Everyone in the stadium flips out because you literally watch him just walk by the official and look at him and presumably say something. And all of us, we're like, he better have said something about that guy's wife or mother for getting a 15-yard flag for talking on the sideline. Um, so, I don't know. My my theories are, A, they were taunting the injured player about it being his birthday, which, okay, that is pretty unsportsmanlike, but also give me a break. Uh, or two, Bart said something completely out of line to the official, and based on Narduzzi's answer in the presser, uh, Vayer called it, quote, complete bullshit, or bullshit, and it, it. I saw Bart explaining to the coaches after the play on the sideline, like, obviously don't know what he was saying, but he was, like, very adamant about, like, I, I don't know why they called it on me. Um, and the review in the stadium, everyone's saying, like, what were they reviewing? All I can think for that is that the official wanted to make sure he had the right number. Because if you have two unsportsmanlike penalties in a game, you get ejected. So they just wanted to be very sure that the ref wanted to call it on Bart as he was maybe the final straw for this taunting or whatever happened. Um, and maybe that's what they're looking at. I didn't know you could look at that. Apparently you can look at that, but you can't look at a face mask. Um, so that's my investigative knowledge on this one it's still one of the most confusing plays calls i've ever seen in a football game and unfortunately i think it's just one of those things we'll never get a real answer on i think your theory is the real answer dylan so i'm gonna roll with that second theory it game was just rigged how many times yesterday did we hear oh the acc needs a playoff team here come the bad calls so there's about, a lot of that. About a thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that should have been a... And that snowballed. That should have been a... Could have kicked a field goal. goal. Would have tied it. And that's when Florida State opened the floodgates. Right. That's when the big plays started happening. And we couldn't respond with anything. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was the point of the game where we all said, sit back and said... We blew it. We blew it. We can't do anything right. We tried. And uh, like you said, after that, Florida State kind of started to open things up. They had some splash plays, and Pitt really never got back into it after that. Um, I do want to touch on one more thing, like one specific moment of the game before we we wrap this up. Um, There was about 6.38 left. Pitt was down 24-7, fourth and six in their own territory. And this is when everyone walked out of the stadium. Because Pat Narduzzi elected to punt the ball in this situation. And I'm not going to say that I think Pitt had any realistic shot of winning that game, of stringing together three scoring drives in the last 638 of the game, of converting onside kicks that would probably be necessary in order to get the ball enough to do that. But is there any logical explanation to punting the ball there other than 
we didn't want them to run up the score on us. By giving it's them just the cowardly. Right. Whenever you cut it up, it's cowardly. You're telling your team the game is over. Yes, the game is over, but all the coaches talk about before the game and the pump-up speeches, if we play to that final whistle, you give it all you got, and the coaches are like, yeah, now we're, we're punting. We're literally punting on the game right here. And that's, maybe they thought our best shot of getting this first down is if they muff a punt. And that's my thought on it, too. Maybe the coaches are like, you know what, let's hope they make a mistake on a punt. Let's see if we can get a turnover and flip the field. And if that's their logic, I I guess I can't completely disagree with them because at that point, the offense could do absolutely nothing. But I think it sends a message to the team, to the fans, to everyone involved that you had zero confidence in being able to do that. And you just wanted to keep that game from at the end. of You wanted to keep that from at the end of the game. It reading 38 seven on the scoreboard. You wanted well, this people happened to know last week against Notre Dame. There was a. I forget the yardage, but Pitt was at like the 38 and they punted. Here's the 44. Either way, deep in opponent territory, and they just flipped the field down 30. Like, what do you have to lose? You're already getting blown out. You can't play that card of we don't want it to get uglier because it's already ugly. So the season's dismal. You're two and seven. I, if anything, that's well, two and six at the time. That's more reason to just go for it yeah. and try to pull something out of your ass. What you gonna make it look respectable that you only lost twenty four to seven to Florida State? Is that how pathetic this pro of a state this program's in right now? That's bullshit. Chicken shit. Chicken shit. Yeah, a whole different level than bullshit. And we. I know we had on our notes here. Do we want to talk about the, the defense played solid there? How how does he look? Uh, oh, the Phil sneak. We got to talk about that because the execution was the best part. We see our hometown hero Phil Dracovic trot out at tight end on a fourth and one. The crowd goes nuts. So I'm more than sure Florida State was like, hey. They have this quarterback who can practice at tight end. He's big. They're going to try something weird with him. So just like be ready if you see this number five guy come out on offense. But even if they didn't, for whatever reason, if they had no scouting intel on Phil Dracovic playing tight end, the stadium gave it away. There's something going on here. And then what happened? Make it the playoff. Burn a timeout. Phil's been, quote, a tight end for a few weeks now. And all the fans have done for those last couple of weeks is speculate on how he's going to be involved. There's going to be a, a goal line formation, a QB sneak. Will he actually be throwing a pass? Will he come in on a fake punt? Signetti had plenty of time to think of this. Apparently the best you can come up with is motioning him under center for a QB sneak. And it cannot be pulled off within 40 seconds. So Pitt, Burns a timeout to run a QB sneak with their backup quarterback. Third string quarterback. Yeah. Fifth string tight end. Could have just done that with their starting quarterback, but no. That'd be too easy. Yeah, I like to think that Phil and Sig, like when, once the locker room emptied, 
everyone like after had their day. Those two just had a nice little smile with each other and like Phil, great job, kid. You got a first down against the number four team in the country in a game we lost by seventeen to fall to two and seven. I, I just hope they had a great heartwarming moment together. Yep. And went to Pat for Manny's afterwards and drank some iron on that. Yeah. Probably went to Pamela's this morning. Mm-hmm. Diagramming some new plays for him next week on a napkin. They're pals. All right. I don't want to talk about anything else from that game. Defense played pretty good. Offense sucked. Whatever. Yeah, we'll save the Vayer versus Yarnell discussion for Thursday. I know David wants to be a part of that. He was sad slash relieved. He had to miss the recap of this one. Who knows? But once we're at full strength, we'll have that debate because I don't even know what I think. So I need some time to think about it. Same. Uh, before we stop here, what basketball? What What do you want to see mm-hmm. from the season opener tonight? Give me your so wish list. I was at the UPJ scrimmage, and team looked great. Even Will Jeffers looked pretty great, despite the fact that he had like a six four kid guarding him for the duration of it. So for t- tomorrow, Monday night's game, I want to see some poise at the point guard spot from Jalen Lowe and Bub Carrington. The second thing I want to see is how our big men are utilized, how Capel uses that three-man rotation amongst the triplets. Um, and the third thing is to see Will Jeffers hit a shot. Yeah, you kind of just stole all the things I wanted to see. Um I could have said something Blake Henson related, but I already know that he's just going to get buckets. I don't need to wish for that. Right. Yeah, I think, like you said, the big thing for me is like the two young freshmen. I want to see that they look poised, that they can get the team into the offense, that they can take care of the basketball. Obviously, doing it against North Carolina A&T isn't going to be a huge predictor, a great predictor of what it will look like during ACC play. Uh but, you know, we you want to see those early flashes that they're able to do it. And really curious to see what the rotation looks like. I, I really don't have any idea how many minutes a, a Will Jeffress is going to play. Jorge Diaz-Graham. Uh, how are they going to play some of these younger guys? Like, is Jalen Lowe going to be a 20-minute-a-game a guy? Is he going to be a 10-minute-a-game guy? Um, so I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how it plays out. And, and obviously a lot will probably change by the time we get to ACC play. They're going to try to figure out those rotations and figure out uh, what lineups work best together. But more than anything, I just want to see that team come out and look like a team that's going to be fun to watch like last year. Running and gunning, uh, tough defensively, and a team that shares the ball and plays together. Because I think that's really what made last year exciting was after that first game. We're like, oh, these guys can play a little bit. They play together. They share the ball. Um, and it took a while for that to really play out consistently. Uh, but I'd like to see flashes tomorrow that's like, okay, yeah, this is the team that we've been getting excited about this offseason. It's the um, last chance to buy your Bub Carrington stock, and you'll become rich. Just trust us on that. Who's your non-Blake Henson MVP for the season? Who's going to be the number two guy? I was impressed by Ish Leggett. 
he had a lot of uh he had a big impact on the offensive end. He was shooting threes, he was making threes. I like his shot. He was cutting, he was pushing the ball after rebounds. He was making a lot of things happen. And I'm hesitant to say this because I know people really hate Russell Westbrook now, but he has a little bit of that in him where he's he's trying to do a lot. He's trying to make things happen. And every once in a while, it's like, eh, pump the brakes maybe. So I really like Ishley Get, but I think it's going to have to be Bub Carrington. Yeah, I think he's the biggest X factor for sure. I mean, the team needs a point guard. They They have a lot of other pieces there, but someone needs to step up and be the point guard and in college basketball guards win in March. So him establishing himself and growing up throughout the season and being ready to go in March is going to be pivotal. And that will probably be the, the deciding factor on whether this team gets back to March madness, or if they kind of come back to closer to what they've been previously in the capable era. Um, I do think this team's, more talented than last year's team, but I, th- I think the lack of experience and lack of a uh, Jamari Spurton, a knowing Cummings, a veteran guard presence who can kind of get things settled down and make things happen. Uh, it is a huge question mark. Uh, but for me, I'm going to go Guillermo Diaz Graham. I think, and it, it's hard. It's odd to say that for a guy who I'm not even entirely sure is going to be in the starting lineup tomorrow night. I think it might, it's probably going to be Federico, but what I saw in the, the playing game, and then the the two ensuing uh, March Madness games. I saw flashes of a guy who can really be a game changer and a special talent at the college level. Uh, a big man who can step out and shoot it. A guy who can block shots. And a guy who's really skilled for a big. And for a guy who was 190 pounds last year, a guy who really hadn't played a ton of college basketball, just kind of spot minutes here and there. Uh, some more minutes in games where Federico was in foul trouble. But he went and put it on, we've heard, 20, 25 pounds in the offseason. And I really think those games, playing in those big March Madness games and being productive in those games is going to go so far for Guillermo this year. And I wouldn't be surprised if, come January, we're saying like with, with him in the starting lineup, like it's him and Blake Henson are, are the, the top two dogs on the team and that he's a guy that is a legitimate all ACC candidate. I think there is really that potential for him and it may be another year away to until he's at that level. Uh, but from what I saw in March Madness from him last year, I, I'm really excited about the step he can take. He threw out a sick oop against UPJ, so yeah, that Alrighty. he did. Point guard Blake throwing it up to him. Um, yeah, I, I I think tomorrow I'm going to be locked in. And I can't tell you the last time I would have been this locked in on a pre or the season opener for Pitt basketball. Honestly, I was pretty juiced up for the season opener back in 2020 it was still covid time so there was no fans at the games but when Pitt played St. Francis and dropped Oof. that one to St. the day the season opener to St. Francis PA uh, I remember being really juiced up for that but I think a big part of that was just it was covid and we were still like locked inside and it was like well Pitt basketball plays tonight so I was super juiced up about that but the recent openers have been wild 
Oh, well, I don't know about wild, but it's been a wide range of things that happened. Last year, they played uh, Tennessee Martin, and we were there. There was no excitement for that game. We were we didn't expect much from half of the guys on that team, and I mean they won, which was nice, but we weren't like leaving the peak going, "Oh, this is a legit team." And I was at the season opener against the Citadel where they got curb stomped. The Citadel made like 23s, it seemed like. And then the one prior to that that I was at, they beat Florida State. And that season ended up being nothing. So don't (laughs) – whatever happens Monday – it's not an indicator of the rest of the season unless they're really good. Then we're simply going to say they're a sweet 16 team at the minimum. Does Pitt make the tournament make a rolling right now? Yes. How far do they go? They, so here's my official prediction. I think they're picked ninth in the ACC by the media. I think they'll be higher than that. I don't think they'll be Give the me ACC a seed. champion. I think they're going to make the tournament as an eight seed. So no playing next year. We're we're locked in. I like it. I like it. I, I think, once again, I think there's a higher ceiling for this team than last year's team. I also think there's a lower. Well, last year we would have said the floor was pretty low in, in the preseason. We didn't know that. But I think there's a chance to be worse than last year. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I think they, I think they get in as, like you said, like an eight nine seed. Um, just to be for the sake of being different than you, I'll give them a nine. Uh, I think they get in the tournament at that at that point. Eleven seed may be preferable because then you play a three in the second round as opposed to a one seed. Whatever, this is so far down the line. No point to even talk about it. But those are our official predictions. We think they get into the tournament. Eight nine seed. David told me they will be a four seed and they make the sweet 16. So I like his prediction more. I can't wait for tomorrow night. I'm juiced up. Even if it's a random school in North Carolina, I've never heard of. I'm pumped for the game and I'll be down at Pete should be rocking. Maybe not 12,000 strong, but the loyal fans that'll be there, it'll be rocking for us. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, let you go. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And as as always, hail loyal sons of Pittsburgh.